Last week afforded us a really rare opportunity uh, for me, uh, not necessarily for you, but normally we have our Thanksgiving festival. Then the very next week is the first Sunday of Advent. This year, there was a week in between. And so we had a week to set up uh, our Advent series. And so last week, uh, what we did was look at traditions. Are they helpful or hurtful? And I really enjoyed the opportunity to, to jump into that topic matter because it kind of kicks us off into what we are now celebrating as the Advent season. In fact, it was the framework last week for what we're going to do for the next four weeks. So if you missed last week for any reason at all, I'd really encourage you to go to our website and just watch that message because I think for all of us, we got to understand how traditions work, when they can be helpful, and when they're harmful. Um, I want to just give you one quick review point from last week, and then I'm going to push on into uh, today's message. Here's a review point from last week, uh, uh, noting how traditions in the church can be helpful. A tradition can be helpful if it causes you to remember, to receive, to rejoice, to rediscover truths about Jesus, and enhance your relationship with Jesus. If a tradition does one of those four things, then it's helpful. Now, beginning this morning and going on then for the next three weeks of Advent, I'm going to take those four big thoughts, remember, receive, rejoice, and rediscover, and each week we're going to flesh one of those out. So this morning, we're going to flesh out this idea that a tradition is helpful if it causes you to remember. So I could do each week about all four, but that's really clumsy and that would be really long. This way, we'll just have a a simplistic kind of concise approach uh, to the messages uh, for the next four weeks. How many of you are forgetful? Anybody going to admit you're forgetful? I'm extraordinarily forgetful. I'll be working on a project in the car, for instance, and I'll think, well, I'm going to need this part. I know I'm going to need this part. I know I'm going to need these uh, tools. And so I will put them in a certain place on purpose, not to forget them. And you know what happens? I can't remember where I put them on purpose when I get to that point of the project. So last year, I got home from our cabin place in, in northern Minnesota, and I, I brought home my, uh, my Sawzall uh, tool. It's a, a great tool, the best tool ever. Great Christmas gift, by the way, gals. But I mean, it, they, it cuts through anything. It's just a really handy tool if you're going to do any kind of construction work, especially if you've got to do some demolition and stuff. So I bring home this Sawzall, right? And I remember putting it someplace. And I looked, and I looked. And I looked for that sawzall, and I could not find that sawzall for the last year. So I did what any man would do. I went to Lowe's when they had their sale this last couple weeks, and I bought a new one. So yesterday, Vicki and I are working in the garage. And I go to this one place that's, you don't really care about the details. But there, look, I said, there's that sawzall. What in the world is it doing there? And she says, oh, I remember you put it there last year on purpose. I said, oh, man. So now I have two sawzalls, so God is good. Amen? So are you forgetful? So, so remembering, remembering is really, really, really an important thing to do when it comes to the things of God. I think sometimes we can forget God. We can forget his benefits. We can forget who he is. King David got after this very idea uh, when he shares some thoughts with us in Psalm 103. uh, And we're going to read this out loud together. It's going to show up on the uh, overhead behind me. Um, This is just about not forgetting. So let's read this out loud together. Here we go. Praise the Lord, my soul, 
All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So David was a self-aware leader, and he knew, I have a propensity to forget. And so he writes this psalm. He writes this word of praise to God. He says, God, I don't want to forget all your benefits. I, I want to remind myself of who you are, that you forgive, that you redeem, that you crown with love and compassion, that you satisfy us with good things, God, and that in you my youth is renewed. I don't want to forget those things. And I, 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 this is one of the benefits of remembering and one of the ways that a tradition like Advent, like we're going through right now, can become extraordinarily helpful if it causes us to remember truth about Jesus in relationship with Jesus. So that's our big thought this morning. A tradition is helpful if it causes you to remember truth about Jesus. And of course, it helps you with your relationship with Christ. Amen? That's when a tradition is helpful. And Advent is helpful because it can slow you down a little bit. A day like today can slow you down a little bit. And you can begin to reflect a bit on who God is and what he's done. You can remember all about the incarnation, that God so loved the world that he decided to interrupt his creation by actually entering into it in person to minister truth and redemption to fallen creation. Isn't that cool? And every year at this time of year, we can stop and remember that and dwell on it and, and, and not forget who God is, and what he has done for us. And you know, as we remember what God has done for us, and we remember that he's a God who keeps promises, because all the prophets talked about, well, a lot of the prophets, I should say, talked about the coming of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see all that fulfilled in Christ. Well, not only is it good for our soul to remember who God is and what he's done, but it instills into you and I hope for what God will do. So, so when we write the ad, or excuse me, light the Advent candle this morning, that's called the hope candle, it's called the prophecy candle, part of, the, of what it's supposed to remind us of is that our God keeps promises, and that's supposed to instill into us a hope that he will continue to do so in the future. Now, one of the benefits of Old Testament teachings, like we looked at today from King David, is that they help you and I to learn vicariously. We learn from example. We learn from somebody else. We don't have to learn everything firsthand, amen? And what I like about the Old Testament is it paints these wonderful pictures of, of you know, God and who he is and how some things work in our life. It's very much a, a picture-painting kind of literature, the Old Testament. The New Testament's a little bit more logic. It's more Greek-oriented, and so it's, it's more direct, and, and the message of Jesus is super clear in the New Testament. The Old Testament's more picturesque, and it kind of paints these really vivid pictures. So I want to share one of those with you when it comes to this topic of forgetfulness and, and why forgetfulness is so harmful to us as the people of God. Uh, I don't know if you had a lot of visitors over Thanksgiving. We did. We had a house full of kids back with their kids. And so I think 
17 additional people in our house for a few days. And it was kind of chaotic, but it's lovely chaos. I love it. And there's a lot of mess when they leave. And so Vicki was doing a lot of laundry. And I happened to be down in the laundry room and uh, seeing these piles of laundry. And, and I was really tired. You ever just really tired after uh, like a few days of visiting? So I found myself just washing, watching the washing machine. We have a front loader washing machine. It was going around in circles. And I was just watching it go around in circles for a while. And then I realized, I'm tired. I'm actually watching a washing machine wash the clothes. What in the world does that mean? You know? But then I was reminded, and I, I was using this in the message already, but I was reminded that washing machine is a lot like a cycle of judges. When the people of God would forget about God and his benefits, they would then do evil suffer the consequences, come to a point of brokenness, cry out in repentance to God. He would send them a deliverer called the judge. They would be delivered, and then they would go back to the status of peace. So it would be this cycle. If you read Judges, it goes through the cycle over and over and over again. God's people would forget God, and it would cause bad things to happen. Let me just share one example from Judges 3, um, Beginning with verse 7, it says this. Now, this is after a time of peace. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and they served the Baals and the Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so he sold them into the hands of the king of Aram, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, they came to this point of repentance. He raised up for them a deliverer, a judge, Othniel, uh, son of Kenas, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came to him, and, and he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave the king of Aram into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel died. And then guess what happened? The cycle started all over again. It's like washing my washing machine. Round and round it goes. In fact, I think this is so important for us to get. I'm going to just show it to you on this blackboard for a moment, uh, this cycle uh, of judges and what they would experience all over and over and over again because they forgot God. So God would take his people Israel and deliver them, right, like he did uh, from Egypt, and they would experience then a time of peace. And then what would happen was they would forget, okay, if you're a note-taker, we left you space in your note guides to put this little drawing down because I think this applies to us personally as well as it applies to Israel historically. So they would forget God and, and accompanying with that, then would do evil. They would, you know, adopt the ways of the land around them and, and then God would allow something to happen when he's forgotten. He would allow consequences. So they would suffer some consequences, Okay. I wish I had a shorter word here. But that, so they would suffer consequences and, and they would tire of these consequences. And in the case I just read to you, they were suffering under the king of Aram and they were subject to his rule. So then they would do something that's critically important. They would repent. All right? And uh, they would cry out to God. And God, who is merciful, his mercies are new every morning, would then send the people of Israel what was called back then a judge. That's nothing more than a leader that he would anoint to deliver his people 
from their bondage, usually to a, a foreign king. And then we would see this great deliverance. <laughs> All right. Let's get this C in there. And then um, they would have a time of peace, and guess what? Psycho would start all over again. It's an awful lot like my washing machine. Around and around and around and around, they would go. And if you read the book of Judges, this is the synopsis, a short summary of the book of Judges. Over and over again, we have this propensity as followers of God to forget his benefits. And we do so uh, to our harm. And so I want to talk with you for a couple moments about the benefits of remembering, since today we're focusing on this idea that if we're going to make a tradition like Advent that we're celebrating right now beneficial, that it begins by remembering. See, when you remember God, it breaks the cycle of forgetting who he is and suffering consequences as illustrated by judges. So what we want to do here is use something like a tradition, remembering to do this. Stop that blasted cycle. Amen? Stop it from going on in our lives personally. See, this is not just a problem of judges. I think if we're honest, we can look at our own lives and say, this is a problem for us personally. Every time I tend to get in trouble in my life has been when I've, you know, doing pretty well in the Lord, but then I begin to forget the primacy of following after God and basic truths about Jesus, and I begin to maybe adopt the ways of the world around me, and then I, I suffer personally some consequences, and you see that brings me to a moment of, oh, yeah, okay, I need to repent of this, and as I repent of that, then God delivers me from it, okay? And, and then I go back to this. Well, here's the benefit of, a, of, a, of something like Advent used correctly. It can cut right off there, that forgetfulness part of the cycle, and get you, and get you out of it, just kind of get you out of the cycle, amen? Just get out of that thing, and so you're not going round and round and feel like you're going round and round in your life. So remembering has this real benefit of breaking the cycle of forgetting and all the consequences associated uh, with that. Second benefit is this. Remembering builds hope for what God will do in the future in your life. So we can trust like our unknown future to a known God kind of thing. Uh, that's one of the benefits of remembering. It builds hope for what God will do in the future. Now, let me, let me flesh this out for you just a little bit. One of the main characters uh, surrounding the story of Jesus Christ was Zachariah, a priest. And we're introduced to Zachariah right away as this way. He was part of the priesthood, and he was called to serve in the temple, and by lot, he was called to serve actually in the temple, burning incense. And while he's doing so, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. His name is Gabriel. And Gabriel says, hey, Zachariah, your prayers have been answered. You and Elizabeth in your old age, you're going to have a child. He's going to be the forerunner uh, to Messiah, to Christ. And you to name him John and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this was meant to be a great moment of, of, of celebration for Zechariah. He said, your prayers have been answered. And I think Zechariah, who was old at this point, thought, my prayers are way beyond answering now. And even when this angel of God showed up in the temple, where only the priests were to be, right? That had to be a bit of a shock. Zechariah could hardly believe what he's being told. And he began to question Gabriel. Gabriel said, hey, I stand in the presence of God. You're questioning me? Are you kidding? 
There you go. You're going to be mute until your son is born. And uh, so Zechariah is muted until his son is born. And then when his son is born, he breaks into this thing called the Song of Zechariah. And really all of the Song of Zechariah is, is remembering what God has done. And we see this hope just flowing out of this guy's life in his mouth. And so remembering has the added benefit not only of cutting the cycle uh, that often leads to consequences in our life, it also has the benefit of building hope in us. Let me just read to you Zechariah's song this morning from Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 67. I'm going to interrupt this frequently just to give you a little insight. So here we go. Now, John has been born. So his, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, and Zechariah, you know, being a priest, he knew God's word. He knew like scripture like Psalm 132 where God had promised David, I'm going to raise out of your household a horn, David, that will grow. And what, what that symbolized, that horn meant uh, 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 that Jesus would be one who would have the power of salvation. And, and Zechariah, as he sees his son born, realizes and begins to understand this big picture of what God is up to. And he goes, wow, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to us and he has redeemed us. And he's remembering what the prophets had said. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham and Zechariah's going, yeah, I remember, God, you swore to Abraham. And he did way back in Genesis chapter 2 that one of Abraham's descendants would bless all of humanity. And Zechariah's remembering that and going, yeah, this has been your plan all along. I remember what you were up to, God. And now I get to see it unfold in, 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 in front of my very eyes to rescue us from the of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And now he's getting into some really cool thoughts because you know what he's saying here? He says, I get it. Now in what's happening, I'm going to be able to come to you. People are going to be able to come to you and they don't have to fear you, God. They're going to be in right relationship with you and they're going to be holy and right, righteous because of what you're doing. And we're going to be able to serve you and follow you with no fear. And this is big. Do you see the hope that's being instilled in this guy as he, as he, as he sings his song, so to speak? And you, my child, he says to John, his son, you're going to be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So Zechariah does nothing here other than he just remembers the promises of God and marvels at them. And it built hope in him for what God was doing and would do in the future. See, that's one of the blessings and the benefits of a tradition rightly observed on our part. If we remember all the grand things that God has done and we really know who God is, then this known God becomes like a launching pad to how we face the future. And we face a future that oftentimes is uncertain and unknown, but we have this known God that we're following, and so we face the future with what? A great amount of hope. A great amount of hope. This first Advent Sunday, we remember God is a promise-keeping God. The prophets talked about this, that he would send a son, and on this 
son the government would be and he would be called mighty father everlasting prince you know uh, and he would never uh, you know he he would have no end and so so we remember that and that built in us this foundation for hoping in the future and so when we look at promises like Jesus and this is one of my favorite that I will never leave you nor forsake you we can stand fast in that hope and trusting in that promise because we serve a God who keeps his word and I don't know how you are, but frequently in my life sometimes I feel like things aren't going all that well, but then I remember, he'll never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. And he's good at his word. You can take him at his promise, amen? Or how about this, that I think this is one of my favorite promises of God, that in these latter times that we live in, on this side of the resurrection, that the person of the Holy Spirit would now come in and dwell inside the follower of God. And he would empower us to become something we cannot become on our own, and that he would bring the words and the teachings of Jesus to our minds and illuminate what they mean. And frequently, as a follower of God, when I don't get something, I say, Holy Spirit, help me. Illuminate my mind. Fill me with thoughts that are of God and help me to understand this. And I tell you what, what a promise, amen? God now dwells within his creation. What a promise to step into. So I want to do a remembering exercise with you really, really quickly here. Here we go. What is a promise that God fulfilled that you are remembering this first Sunday of Advent? What is a promise that God fulfilled that you are remembering this first Sunday of Advent? It can be personal, it can be general in nature, but it's a good exercise to remember because it instills into you hope then for the future and it cuts off this cycle of forgetfulness that oftentimes leads to consequences. So what are you remembering this first Sunday of Advent about God? I, I mean, it's natural to remember the incarnation, right? And that's what this season's all about. It's the incarnation of Jesus Christ that, you know, a son would be born, and, and, and he's, he's Savior who is wonderful, and he's mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's wonderful. It, you know what else is another one to remember? I think that we should remember frequently that we're resurrection people, that we serve a resurrected Jesus Christ, and like he was resurrected from the dead, we are destined for that same resurrection as we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a promise that God fulfilled, that Christ would be raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just like promised, and he was seen by hundreds of witnesses. How about this one? Your salvation. Today, this first Advent Sunday, is a great day to kind of think about, wow, I remember when I was saved. I remember what I felt like before I was saved. And I remember that feeling of when I was saved. And I remember how I, I was so relieved and how Christ came into my life and the Holy Spirit filled me. And you remember that and you rejoice in it. Um, as I mentioned, for me, I think a big turning point in my walking as a follower of Christ was the day when I began to realize the work of the person of the Holy Spirit within me. And I asked God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Begin to do in me the works you promised to do in the believers as according to your word, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, you've gone to the Father and you promised that you would not leave us as orphans and you would send back the person of the Holy Spirit to live right inside of us. I want that. And I remember how that changed the way I, I did my walk. And so at any rate, you're getting so, sort of how you can do this personally. You can do it in general ways. But spend some time today remembering. And secondly, what is the future promise then that you're placing your hope in? 
What's something that you're saying, oh God, I just, I, I see this promise of your word. I just anticipate it taking place in my life someday and I'm looking forward to it because of the things you've done. I know you're going to do this. One thing that I think about a lot, a lot in my life, especially the older I get, is I've had so many of my friends and, and uh, both my parents pass away. And uh, I've had opportunity to sit by uh, a, a number of people as they were dying. And some of them, friends, and I rejoice and I stand in the promise of Jesus that a day is coming when there will be no more mourning, no more tears, and all things will be made new. And we will be perfect in spirit and body. I don't know about you. I work out to try to have some semblance of physical fitness. Every day, that's discipline for me to go. Very rarely do I say, yay! I get to go work out. I'm looking forward to going to heaven and not having to work out anymore. <laughs> I don't know if that'll be the case, but you follow what I'm saying? I'm looking forward to no more mourning, no more tears. So that's one of the promises I look forward to. What, what are you looking forward to? Um, this last week, as Pastor Aaron was mentioning here in, in the announcements, we did an, uh, uh, an intentional uh, family uh, seminar. We begin it. And, 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 and Pastor Steve was... And, and was taking uh, questions. I forget what the methodology is. It doesn't matter. But anyway, 13 of the questions that people asked about, or 13 people asked the same question, uh, how do I do a meaningful devotion or how do I begin to do some family devotions? So I'm going to talk about this because it goes right along with not forgetting and pushing ourselves in the hope of God. Uh, we have put together for you once again this year uh, an Advent devotional. They're out there on... Uh, the information counter. At your lead church, you can just pick one up if you want paper form. And uh, if you've never done a family devotion, never done a devotion yourself or whatever, this is a great way to start. It's only a few minutes. It's only five minutes a day. Maybe, maybe 10, depending on how deep you want to get into it. It's a great starting place for doing a devotional and doing one that's very meaningful, that walks you through the Advent season all the way up to Christmas celebration. And I would say to you, if you're saying, how do I start doing this? How do I do a meaningful one for my family? Never done it before. Here you go. It's a great, easy way to start. If you don't want to, for some reason, pick up a paper copy, you can go to our website and then go to the events tab. And under that, click Christmas at Grace Point. Events, Christmas at Grace Point. And you can get the devotional there and all the comments. And there's a Spotify Christmas playlist that you can use. And you can make this very meaningful. And if you have little ones, there's a... There's like ornaments that are part of this thing that they can sit and color every day as you share the word with them. I don't know about you, but I, I know what little kids are like. Had a lot of them. Give their little hands something to do. Then it's a blessing to them and a blessing for you. Amen? And so, at any rate, there you go. There's a, there's a tool to use to help make Advent a little bit more uh, meaningful. Um, we're going to end our message today by getting uh, a little bit more uh, homey. Uh, I want you to take some of the stuff that I'm talking with you home. This doesn't do any good if you just look at this and don't do it. You need to take it home. You know, you need to, when you're sitting at home, um, you know, at, 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 on your couch or whatever you're going to do by your fireplace. You like this, by the way? I just wish it put out some actual heat. But at any rate, um, you know, when you're sitting at home, remember today, just take a few moments to sit down and say, God, I remember who you are and what you've done in my life, right? Spend some time doing that. 
reflecting so you cut that cycle of forgetfulness off. And, and remember because it builds hope in you. And take one of your little ones. If you have little ones, take them with you and tell them about Jesus a little bit in the terms of remembering or ta- begin to, 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 to engage. And so I like the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. And I, I, the older I get, the more sentimental I am. But take the stuff home for Christmas. We're going to do that very thing with our Advent reading today. The Weeses are going to read an Advent for us uh, from their home. So watch this video. I love this time of year. I love the build-up to Christmas with all the family times and memories being made. It's chaotic with all the little hands helping, but family life is like that. Times like this build memories that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. This morning we begin Advent season. Advent means the coming or arrival of something momentous. For four weeks during Advent each year, we build up to the celebration of the birth of Jesus. So Advent means something big is about to happen. Engagements anticipate the advent of a wedding day. Pregnancies anticipate the advent of a birth. You and Dad know what that means with five of us. Yep, you've got that right, Faith, we do. Advent means arrival. The Advent season anticipates the advent, the arrival of Jesus. This first week of Advent, we focus on hope. This hope is built on the fact that God is a promise-keeping God, and as we remember this, it brings hope to our hearts. Long before Jesus was born, God sent his messengers, the prophets, to declare his promise that a Savior would be born to deliver people from sin and death. Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet, gave us one of these promises when he said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is talking about Jesus, isn't it? And God kept his promise. Yes, that's right, Faith. And so we remember this first Advent Sunday that our hope is in a promise-keeping God. Amen. And while they were reading that, I lit our first Advent candle and so we join in the Weeses and celebrate what this first Advent is all about. And I pray you will use this tradition of remembering the hope candle, remembering the promises of God, one, to cut off the cycle of forgetfulness so you don't suffer those consequences, and two, to instill in you a hope of what's to come and that you can trust an unknown future to a known God. Amen.